0: Thank you for listening to this message from life in the sun christian fellowship we hope you'll be inspired to honor god and make disciples turn with me in your bibles to matthew chapter 13 matthew 13 is the parable of the sower as you're finding your place i want to address uh, a need uh, it's important before we read the word that we talk about an issue with the bible And yes, you you heard me say it that way an issue with the Bible. Is it okay to say that? Is it okay to call out the elephant in the room? Um, Is it okay to admit that we have uh, an issue with the Bible? Uh, To some, uh, it may sound a little too honest to talk about that. Uh, But the truth is, uh, let me put it this way there was only one person who ever lived who adhered to the Bible 100%. And for the rest of us, uh, we have issues with the Bible. And I, I want to address just one of those issues for the sake of time. And it has to do with the question of, do I really believe that the Bible has authority over my life? Do I really believe that the Bible has authority over my life? You know, I think most of us know what the right answer should be, but when it comes down to everyday life and the choices that I make in relationships, uh, choices I make with how I use my time, uh, choices I make with my money, uh, things that I say, I think when it comes down to everyday life and those practical things, that very often... uh, I think it's important to ask ourselves, does my behavior line up with the idea that I believe the Bible is authoritative? Yeah. And that's a struggle. It's a struggle for all of us. Because over the centuries, the idea of authority or the, the center of authority has shifted. Centuries ago, if you were just talking with friends and there was, say, a social issue that you were discussing... It might be common for somebody to say, well, you know, the Bible says, or the church says, or a church leader says, and then that would kind of settle the issue because that was the center of authority. Now, how many of you know, when you walk out there in the world, among those that don't go to church, the unbelievers, that's no longer the case. That's archaic. People don't think that way anymore. What happened over the generations is the place of authority shifted from the church and the Bible to science and education. And so then when there were social issues that people were discussing, people would refer to that as an authority. They would say, well, the latest scientific study says, or Dr. So-and-so says, or the latest research says, and then that would settle it. Today, we moved on to another era in this post-Christian, post-modern, post-everything era that we live in, now sociologists are talking about the autonomous self. In other words, the center of authority is in me. And it doesn't really matter what the Bible says or what science says or what the latest research says. I look at those things and I say to myself, well, you know what? I don't know if I'm feeling that. I don't subscribe to that. It's kind of like email." You can subscribe or you can unsubscribe at the click of a button. And that settles it. And this shift in authority has done a number on our relationship to the Bible. And so we need to talk about that. And I think probably the best way that I could just cut to the chase is let's go back to Jesus and look at what was his view of the Bible. Jesus' view is quoted in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. I'll just read it to you. He said, Truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything, say everything, Everything. until everything is accomplished. Jesus said, Not the least letter, not the least stroke of a pen. The least stroke of a pen in Hebrew and Aramaic was something smaller than the dot of an eye. It was just a tiny little mark that wasn't even a letter. It was used to help with pronunciation. And Jesus is saying not the least scrap of ink will disappear from the law until everything has been accomplished. Folks, you cannot have a higher view of the Bible than that. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's high. It's because of our relationship with Jesus and because of his view of the Bible that we believe the Bible is authoritative. You know, it's not good to say, I believe the Bible, therefore I follow Jesus. Because Muslims could say the same thing. They could say, I believe the Koran is inspired by God, therefore I follow Muhammad. That doesn't make sense. So the reason that we uphold the Bible is not because we believe the Bible but because we follow Jesus. And Jesus said, the Bible is true. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Wow. Did you know that authority has always been lived out through speech and writing? Authority is always transferred or passed down through speech and writing. And writing is the same thing as speech being recorded. So let me give you an example. It's just, it's the, way we're, it's the way the world works. That's how authority works. For example, you receive a text on your phone, and your wife says, on the way home from work, would you pick up some groceries? So on the way home, you stop at the grocery store because your boss, I mean, your wife said, go to the grocery store before you come home. And you follow that instruction because of who wrote the text, You know, even though uh, we talk about the Bible being inspired by God, people still try to argue with the Bible. You know, well, aren't there Old Testament laws that we don't follow anymore? And granted, that's true. There are things like the ceremonial laws, we don't follow those anymore. The dietary laws, we don't do those anymore. And there's also another category, which is the moral law of God. And so there's a rule of thumb that will help you kind of sort that out. And that is, if Jesus or the New Testament does not update the Old Testament, then it remains in play. And for sure, the New Testament does update the dietary laws and the ceremonial laws, but God's moral law still remains today. In fact, Jesus took it a step further. He said, it's not just about your behavior. He said, it's about the heart. He took this whole thing to another level. And so God's moral law still remains in play. And yet, people still try to argue with the Bible. You know, you may hear something like, well, you know, what exactly is adultery? You know, there are some things that are just very clear. I mean, if you hear that, just say, you know what? Just be quiet. (laughs) Okay, don't even go there. Because we don't do that in real life. If there's a speed limit that says 35 miles per hour and a cop pulls you over for speeding and he says, I want to see your driver's license and insurance, he might ask you, do you know what the speed limit is? Well, yes, sir, I do. It's 35 miles an hour. But did you know that the root of the Latin word for limit is actually boundaries? And it's all about expanding your boundaries. And besides, officer, You know, this is 2016. I mean, nobody drives 35 miles an hour on Guam, so, you know, you just need to get with it. You know what's going to happen if you say that? You're going to get the maximum penalty for a traffic violation. Some things are just clear and common sense. So again, we treat the Bible as authoritative because we follow Jesus And he has all authority, and he considers the Bible authoritative. (laughs) Secondly, before we read the parable of the sower, uh, we need to be clear about the reason that we study the Bible. We study the Bible not to know the Bible. We study the Bible to know God. We study it not to know the Bible, but to know God. We don't want to be Bible nerds. Okay, we want to be spiritually competent. We want to... Know God, we want to walk with God, we want to experience God. That's why we study the Bible. Amen? Amen. A thorough, we can go to the next slide. <clears throat> a thorough understanding of the Bible is better than a college education. Do you know who said that? A thorough understanding of the Bible is better than a college education. The person who said that was Theodore Roosevelt, the 26th president of the United States. Theodore Roosevelt. So campus students, don't drop out of college, (laughs) okay? Stay in college, but make sure you study your Bible. (laughs) Having said that, uh, are you ready for the word? Okay, let's pray. Father, we present ourselves before you today And Lord, we ask that you would enlighten us. Lord, would you give us insight and understanding? Father, I pray that your spirit would speak to our spirit, and in turn, it would become alive and be lived out in and through us. And so, Holy Spirit, come. Make your word real. Come with its power and your love and your light that transforms us. Lord, make us the people that you want us to be. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Okay, so Matthew chapter 13, we'll begin in verse 1. We'll read it together. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore... He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. He said, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Next slide. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. We'll stop there. So there's been a lot of teaching on this parable over the years, and some have taught about it from the perspective of the sower. Some have talked about it from the perspective of the soils. Uh, Some people talk about the seed. And so there's all these different ideas that are in there. And today I'd like us to narrow in on just one perspective, and that is the perspective of the sower. In verse 18, we'll go ahead and read that now. Jesus actually titled it this way. He said, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer. That's the sower. So Jesus said, this is a parable about the sower, the farmer planting seeds. And then he began to explain the meaning of the parable. He said, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produced a harvest 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted." there are three symbols here that we mentioned earlier the seed the soils and the sower in this story the seed represents the word of god uh, some translations call it the message of the kingdom uh, luke eight eleven, jesus said the seed represents the word of god the other symbol here is the soil and the soil represents people's responses and Jesus outlines four different responses to the message of the kingdom. The three, the three soils represent three responses to the message. So one of them was the seed that fell along the footpath. And that soil represents those who don't understand. And Jesus said, when people hear the message of the kingdom and they don't really understand what it means, the enemy comes and he steals away what had been sown. So it's very important for us when we share the news of the kingdom with people that we keep it simple and we take it slow and we go at their pace and just have that eye contact to make sure they're with you, that we're connecting, making sure they understand. Otherwise, the enemy can come later and it's as if we never had a conversation. So that's one, the seed that fell along the footpath. The other type of response is represented by the rocky soil. And these are people who have no deep roots. They have no depth. They don't last long and so they fall away when persecuted for believing God's word. And then there's a third soil, and that is uh the one where the seed grew up among thorns. And the thorns represent the worries of this world. The thorns represent being distracted with wrong priorities, being distracted by the lure of wealth. That is materialism and then the fourth soil the fourth response is those who receive the word well they understand it they don't get distracted with other things and as a result the word multiplies in them some 30 some 60 some 100 fold so and then lastly the sower is the other symbol represents god or jesus who is who is the one who brings his word to the earth now remember We study the Bible not to know the Bible. We study the Bible to know who? To know God. And so a good question to ask is, what does this parable tell me about God? What does this story tell us about God? And so I'd like to point out three things that we can observe from this parable. I call it the heart of the sower. And so number one, the first lesson that we learn is that he gives to all. Did you notice that, you know, God is not like us? Sometimes when we think about sharing with people, we kind of size them up a little bit, and we think, I wonder if they're a good prospect. You know, would they be open to listening? And if they look like they might be teachable, you know, they might be easy to talk to, you know, we, we, might, in, we might share some of the things that God has done with us. You now, isn't it so good that God doesn't do that? It says no matter the response, even if they didn't understand, even if they had no depth, even if they had other priorities and let other things choke out the work of God's Word in their lives, it says God gave equally to everybody. He just sowed liberally. He sowed broadly. You know, it's, it's so different. Sometimes we sow narrowly. You know, we've got a certain row that we want to plant our seeds in, and that's our row. And so that's the first thing that we can see about the heart of the sower is that he gives to all. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, God is like that. And that the guy who talked to me about the Lord when I was younger was like that. Because back then, you wouldn't recognize me. Uh, some of you have heard my story, but back then, I had an Afro out to here, and I'd be riding motorcycles, wearing a tank top, and I was a lifeguard, living the party lifestyle. And I probably, and, and you know, back then, I was a very angry person. And I was going around giving everybody the Atem Baba. And... <laughs> you know, luckily this guy didn't shut me out, but he went ahead and talked to me about having a relationship with God. And every week there was another, his name was Don. And every week he had another guy who was discipling him, whose name was Steve. And in his discipleship report, he would say, pray for Mark. We're meeting for Bible study weekly. So Steve kept hearing about me on paper, but we'd never met couple months later we're someplace and don says hey by the way that's mark and he sees me with my motorcycle and my hair and he goes that's the guy (laughs) you know and and sometimes you know we can kind of be standoffish from some people but god is not like that and so he he gives to all the second observation i'd like to make about this story and what it tells us about the heart of god is that he reveals how to do life. He reveals how to do life. I'd like to illustrate that with a little story. Uh, This is a picture of us in South Africa. Uh, That's actually, uh, we'll hold it there. The next, go back to the first one, the mountain. The first one is Tabletop Mountain. That's one of the premier spots to visit in South Africa. Beautiful place. Uh, You can't see it from the vantage point of this picture, but behind the photographer is the ocean. And so you've got this tremendous contrast between mountains and ocean and beach and a beautiful city and uh, just just an amazing place to go visit. And there's a cable car that will take you up to the top of that point there, just on the right side of it. And so we can go to the next slide. And so when you get up there, this is the view from the top. That's Tabletop Mountain in Cape Town. Now... When we got there, we had to wait an hour and a half just to get up the lift. The lift holds about 30 people, and it's just one cable car at a time, and then one down. And so a group of 30 can go up, and a group of 30 can come down, and then the next group. So the line was so long, we waited an hour and a half just to get inside the cable car to go up to the top of the mountain. So we were saving each other's spot, and while, you know, one was waiting in line, the others would go and visit the gift shop or get a drink, tea, something like that. So when it was my turn to go visit the gift shop, I was wandering around, and I met a bunch of people from the conference. And you could tell. They just kind of had the look. And we're like, hey, what are you doing here? Have you been up there? No, we're trying to go up. And they're like, are you in line? Like, yeah, I'm in line. And they say, oh, yeah, they're how do you do this? And we found out that there are two lines one line is for those who don't have a ticket and it's long and then there's another line just as long for those who have a ticket and we had heard on facebook from somebody who went a week before us they said thank god we bought our tickets online and terry saw that she said we need to do that and so we did so we were getting in the second line for those who already have tickets but the people that i met in the gift shop they didn't have a ticket and the line was so long, they ended up not going up to the top. And uh, they just didn't know. So later on, we were doing another tour, and we're on the bus, and we'd be talking about places that we had visit, and we'd say, hey, have you been to Tabletop Mountain? They're like, no, we haven't gone yet. I said, before you go, be sure you buy your ticket online. Like, oh, thank you. Everybody else sitting in the row next to us, oh, really, really, really? Thank you, you know? And so we're just telling everybody we can because, you know, we're all friends. We're all in the conference together. We're having this fellowship. We want them to have a good experience. We want to let them know the best way to get to the top of the mountain. The point is this. Jesus has been to the top of the mountain. And he comes back to tell us the best way to get there. And it's only natural if somebody's your friend. If you care about somebody, you'll tell them the way to go. Thank God he didn't leave us to try and figure out this life on our own, but he has come back to show us the way. And so one of the things that he shows us in this parable is what doesn't work. You think about every one of those soils and some of the responses that are not fruitful. God is actually revealing to us what not to do. And so I just want to encourage you that in your relationship with God, and as you share with other people, encourage them, you know, don't go around... Um, casually, press into God, seek understanding, ask him for wisdom. Don't be like those who don't have understanding and then the enemy comes and steals away what God has tried to put into your life and into your heart. And so James says in chapter one, he says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men freely and without reproach. I'm like, what is reproach? It means he won't scold you for asking. He's not going to say, shoo. He's going to welcome your request. He's going to answer you because he's going to give you wisdom. i tell you one of the most common prayers that I've had in recent years. Because there are so many challenges in life, right? I say, God, would you give me knowledge and understanding? God, give me knowledge. I need knowledge and understanding. And I'm just amazed how God just drops that into my lap. It might be a book, a TV show, a person I meet, uh, whatever god is unlimited in his means to be able to communicate to us but he gives that to us when we're seeking and we're asking he's liberal in sharing the other thing is you know the the soil that was rocky you know that represented those who didn't have any depth they didn't have any root you know god is warning us don't be shallow Go deep with God. Press into Him. Seek Him, you know, when the time is rough and when the time is tough. And find Him in those moments and go deep with God. You know, let the root go down deep to find the water of His Spirit and His Word. And then there are those who, you know, they had the thorns. That was the worries of this world and the lure of wealth and materialism. I mean, materialism just calls out. I mean, the marketing, the advertising... It's incredible. It's on TV. It's on the internet. It's in the shopping malls. It's everywhere you go. It's calling for your attention, saying you need this to be happy. You need this to be fulfilled, to be satisfied. And Jesus is saying, don't fall for the lie that things are going to satisfy you. I mean, it's hard for most of us because we're not super wealthy. We still have the kind of myth, the, the idea that, you know, it could satisfy. Like if I had a brand new car and all my debts were paid off and my house was paid. Tell you what, next time you meet somebody who's rich and all their needs are met, they have no debt, they have huge savings, just ask them if the source of their happiness was things. And you'll find out that for many of them, they say, no, it's not. There's, once you get to that place where all your needs are met, you find out that's not it. I was counseling a guy in Singapore, wealthy guy. He's like the board member of a trustees of a global corporation. And we were talking about some political infighting that was going, but this guy has everything and more that you could ever imagine. But I tell you, his life is in turmoil. And the relationships and the trouble that's going on in his life, you know, only, thank God, God broke through and gave this man peace as he began to walk in forgiveness and let Jesus guide him through the the storm that he was in. So, Jesus gives to everybody, the sower, God, gives to everybody, and he shows us how to do life. He shows us how to do life. Um, I want to go to the next slide. There's a maze that I'd like to show you. You know, sometimes life can be very complicated. Have you ever tried to do one of these and you get going down a certain trail only to find out it's a dead end? I mean, wouldn't it be nice if you had somebody who had already been through the maze of life and not just this life, but even the life after and has found the way to the end. And it's as if Jesus has come back and said, this is the way to live. This is the way to go. And so here's the thing that I want to wrap up with all of this communicates one big idea about the heart of the sower and that is that god loves you god loves us and he loves you he's for you and he cares about you and what's going on in your life and i know many of us are going through certain struggles right now you're in a season and you're like god where are you i need you And I just want to encourage you. Sometimes it's hard because He invites us to participate. And sometimes the participation takes time and the waiting is hard. But just know God is faithful and He will see you through. So many times we're distracted by worries. So many worries. Just stop and think for a moment. Do you ever realize 90% of the stuff we worry about never happens? 90%. It never happens. God says, don't go there. He says, live in the joy of thanksgiving. You know, when you go from here today and you go to work on Monday and you're in traffic at 8 o'clock on Monday morning, don't lose the vibe that you have here in worship. Stay in the joy of thanksgiving because God loves you and he's faithful and he will see you through. Amen? Let's pray. Father, You are amazing. God, that you would love us, that you would come back here, and that you would communicate to us and show us the way. Thank you, Lord, that we are not alone. And Father, I pray for my friends here today. Lord, that if anybody, if anybody is feeling alone or hurting, God, that you would meet them in a special way. God, I ask for your Holy Spirit just to hover among us and to work in our hearts and our spirits and our souls.